Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Let's dive in. I am your host, Ryan Laudermilk. I've been at Microsoft for over a decade. My most recent focus is around OKR methodologies and OKR software. I am joined today by Monique Little, who is also at Microsoft and also specializes in OKRs. Monique, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So listen, what we're going to talk about today is writing OKRs, or excuse me, writing key results well. Writing key results well. Um, obviously, we'd like to see objectives written first. That's sort of the goal. But ultimately, key results. This is where things can get a little sticky. Let's go to you. What is the first thing you look for when you're assessing whether or not a key result has been written well? Yeah, I actually look for really three things. Is it specific? Um what we've written, is there a measure? Uh, Do we know where our starting point is and do we have an ending point for the period that we're looking at? And do we care about an outcome um, rather than uh, maybe like an operational metric or something like that? And so I I look for those three things and I'll typically coach out with teams um, the specifics around what we need to improve upon. Yeah, great. So let's dive into each of those. Uh, let's we'll talk about specific and then maybe we'll come back to me and I'll kind of say, hey, this is the one thing I work on. And we'll kind of just keep tossing it back and forth. Yeah. So you said specific. Could you give me an example like what looks good and then perhaps maybe a bad example, leaving uh, names anonymous to not get anybody in trouble? But what are you what are you looking for when you talk about specificity? Yeah, sure. Uh, specific typically is around what is that? Is there a focus of what we are trying to uh, move the needle on. And so the bad example, and I'll give you just more of a general one that I typically see is oftentimes teams that are newer in writing key results, try to actually smush a bunch of different things together. And that to me, if I was going to deliver that to a, in all hands, uh, I think the question would be what's really important here. And so pulling out uh, that one area that we're going to say, this is really what we're going to impact is important. That's what I typically see the most in newer teams is we're going to do this and this, and that becomes very hard to measure, which rolls into kind of that next piece. Yeah, that's great. I think um, spot on. I, I For me, the first thing I'm looking for, and I think to your point is, is it measurable, right? Whatever you're doing, uh, can it be measured? And oftentimes, um, what you'll see is that it's not clear. It's not clear how you're going to measure this, right? Um, sometimes if, you know, it sounds very aspirational. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing if you achieved this? Um, but what exactly are you measuring? And so one of the things that I do, and um, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is I know a lot of the literature leads to writing a key result leading with a verb, right? Um, which is fine, which is fine. If you're doing that today, completely fine. One of the things that I've sort of grown accustomed to and enjoy is actually starting a key result with a number. And this is very interesting because when I've done this um, and folks have brought their key results uh, for me for to me for a given cycle before we sort of lock them in, um, if I have them start with a verb, it does seem a little natural, right? Like, they're like we want to implement something or we want to design something. Um, but in there somewhere is usually a number, it's usually an integer or a percentage. 
And so I'll say, hey, could you write it in such a way that it leads with the number? So for instance, uh, increase daily active users. Very popular, right? Increase. Who wouldn't want to increase daily active users? I'll say, hey, can you turn that around and put a number? So it might read like 2,000 daily active users up from 1,000. And so that way you can sort of see, and, and what, I, what, I, what I've seen with this is it's very beneficial for the CVPs in the organization. So they can sort of scan quickly and kind of really just, boom, look at a number. Where is it supposed to be? Where are we going? Um, anyway, that, that's something that I think that is helpful, measurable. Um, have you seen that? Are people doing that as well? I love that. And I actually want to steal that because what I find happens when you do lead with a verb is sometimes you then have to work more to make it not project or task oriented. Um, Mm. And so I love that and actually want to steal that Um, (laughs) because I do feel like uh, another kind of sticky situation that you can get into with key results is that um, you end up doing all these tasks and then you're wondering why you're doing them. And so when you lead with a number, I really love that uh, it gets you more to the outcome that you're trying to pursue. Yeah, it's good. Um, Your second one you, you mentioned was measure. And one of the things I thought was interesting that I hadn't even thought about, and you mentioned it, starting and ending. Tell me more about that. I'm interested in that. Starting and ending. What do you, what do you mean? When you were talking about having a starting point and an ending point, I think oh, that's yeah. really be- beneficial, right? When you're measuring yeah. saying, hey, we're, we're leaving this point and we're trying to get to this point. Tell me, talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, this is a big one for a lot of the teams because oftentimes um, KRs are something that they're looking at with a more aspirational lens. And so what I have to ask, because our team is only three years old, is, is there a way to measure that? And sometimes getting around that is, well, where are we at today? And oftentimes, if the answer isn't an exact metric, Uh, sometimes it's, well, we don't know how we're going to measure that. And so I love being able to say, where are we at today so that we can actually celebrate where we end up at the end of the period. For us, it's semesterly. Um, But I think that that's really important to say, what's what's the baseline and where are we going to end up? um, What's the best possible result that we're going to end up at? Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I think for folks that find themselves listening to this podcast, maybe you're an OKR coach, maybe you're considering OKRs, measuring things um, turns out to be pretty darn important when you're using OKRs. I mean, you can't really get around it. And I love what you said there where it's like, hey, let's have a baseline. Where are we starting from and where do we want to get to? And some people are uh, in their cars or listening to this while they're running and they're going, duh, that's obvious. But quite often it's not. As coaches, we folks are like, yeah, this is what we want to do. And you really have to kind of pause the conversation and say, okay, I hear you loud and clear. And how are you going to measure that? I, I know um, for me, again, we're, we're kind of still talking around measuring. One of the big things for us as we implemented OKRs on our team was this idea of measuring and like you alluded to going, well, we don't really measure that today, right? We don't really have a way. And so one of the things that I do to encourage folks is I ask them these two questions. So the first question is, is what is the right thing to measure? So let's just, you know, forget all the tactics or how we're going to do it. Tell me what the right thing is to do. So often folks will tell me if they're designing products, it's a DAU, daily active users, right? We need to know on a daily basis, how many active users do we have and is it increasing? Great. 
Is that the right thing to measure? Yes. The second question I'll ask them is, do you have the ability to move the needle? If you can sort of help me understand, hey, is this the right thing? Yes, emphatically, we need to be able to measure this. And then you can say, yes, we can move the needle. Then I usually tell them you have to measure it. You have to do it. You have to do it. And so often, as you alluded to this, it was like, well, we don't really measure this now. Well, let's not get bogged down with that. Is it the right thing? Can we move the needle? Go, embark. And and often, and I'm sure you've seen this, it'll take uh, sometimes very deep into the cycle, which makes me super nervous. Mm-hmm. And you're nodding. I agree. Like when you're, as an OKR coach, you're like, oh my goodness, we're eight weeks into this cycle and we still don't know. But if you pay that tax and you put in the hard work, it changes the culture of the organization, does it not? Yeah. When folks start yeah. to look at that measure. Yeah, I think that's one of the most challenging things, especially when you, if you are a team that's just kicking off key results. I think a lot of the things that impede us is that we don't have the, this this to measure. And so we don't actually do the work if we've determined that it is important and we can move the needle. And that's what I love about OKRs. And, and I think this is where it gets a little bit more tricky to stand it up because as much as we'd love to say, great, we're going to have all these measures that say we're going to start from here and end from here. The reality is that you have to get to your starting point first. And so that's where it is kind of key to, I think, use those verb-based, verb-starting KRs, right? Where it's like, well, we do have to probably get approval for this, or we do probably need to secure funding, or we probably do need to establish whatever the baseline is so that we can continue improvement in those future periods ahead. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay, uh, I'll go to my second. So my second, when I'm looking at a key result, first of all, it must be measurable. Uh, good gravy. If it is not, we, let's let's go back to the drawing board. You haven't told me what you're measuring. Next for me is going to be necessary. Mm-hmm. So for instance, as we all know, um, key results are sort of encompassed uh, in an objective, right? A single objective. And if I achieve, say, those five key results, then they uh, will help me meet my objective. And so that's what I usually will ask folks is, you know, if you achieve these key results, will accomplish the objective? That's the first question. And they they look at, say, let's just say they have three key results and they go, yep, if I got key result one, if I had two, yep, three. Yes, we would, we would crush this objective. Great. So that that's good. If the answer is no, we go, well, you know what? We'd actually need to make sure X, Y, and Z happen. Well, good. Then let's make sure we add that fourth key result. So that way, all the key results that are there are necessary. The other thing, and I don't think folks often think about this, is are there any key results that can be removed? And I'm a big fan of this. Like, you know, we run in 12-week cycles. Let's not get bogged down uh, for 12 weeks on something that, frankly, isn't necessary. Mm -hmm. So that's usually what I would look for. I don't know if that's your number two or if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think this is so important because when you are in drafting sessions, you have all of these folks on a team that want to make sure that they're represented, their work is represented in a way. And so you have to ask that question. Otherwise, you could potentially have a list of 10 to 20 key results. And now you're just creating a ton of work and a ton of churn rather than really being able to bring laser focus to how you're going to accomplish that objective. Uh, So I do think that that's really important. Uh, One thing that I think is 
also super important here is that you have to look at the altitude of the key result. And I think you have to also say, does this speak to all of the of the people that are driving forward these objectives? Uh, sometimes what I find um, is that it is necessary, but maybe at a sub-team level, right? It's something for a sub-team to drive. And when you're looking at a top team creating key results, you have to elevate that key result a little bit to umbrella more of that team. Um, but those conversations around like, is this necessary? Well, yes, it is, but it's only necessary for a, a portion of the team. And so how can we write that into a key result that might accrue up to these top level results? Uh, and so that that question just sparks, I think, more conversation around where um, that goal sits in the organization. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, a proper OKR implementation should be 50% cascaded down. So you can imagine sort of CEO or C-suite down to probably maybe um, VPs. So that sort of cascades down. But then the framework supports this idea of 50% up, right? Where the innovation and the creativity should happen. And so what you hope is that the OKRs at the CEO to CVP level to your point, have the right altitude, right? Um, maybe at a CEO level, you're answering to shareholders, right? They're going to want to see, you know, five things delivered this year. What are those five things that the that the board wants? And then the CVPs then should take that and react to that, right? And say, okay, we've got uh, three CVPs under this CEO. Uh, maybe service, you know, service uh, services, marketing, and sales. What are you going to do, right, to push those five things forward? But to your point, at that point, now we're into some sub-teams. And I think you're, you're so spot on. Like The, the sub-teams have to have hard conversations because a lot of them have, I don't know what term to use, and I'm going to offend somebody, but it's sort of these pet projects, right? Or what we like to say in our organization is choose your own adventure, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, well... You know, listen, those things are great and and are they necessary? That's an interesting question. But I think oftentimes what I've seen is, is if you can get those sub teams to again kind of look up with the 50% that cascade down, now find these are hard problems, by the way, yeah. unless we're confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, now find a way to be innovative and creative to solve these problems, right? And then they kind of have to do set down some of the other things. And say, hey, if OKRs are in fact what matters most, and hopefully that is true, then this is the best work we could be doing. Um, and sometimes we do have to say, all right, well, we're going to have to put this one to the side. And I don't know if you've seen that or not, but I, I know I have as well. You know, I, I, I have. Yeah, that's one of the things that OKRs has brought most clarity around is truly being able to prioritize what's important. And it's interesting because in our one of our first cycles at Customer and Experience and Success, which is the organization that I'm part of, uh, we had all of these programs and projects that maybe didn't align to our objectives and our key results. And the beauty of doing this cycle over cycle is we say, why do we spend the time here if this is actually not driving the outcomes that we're that we're focused on? Uh, and so those that conversation of necessary also helps you to prioritize for your teams. Uh, and and they get connected and they understand that their work is accruing upward to that bigger picture. Yeah, it's so good. Um, you know, lest we get confused, um, I talked about this last with uh, with Spencer that OKRs are loving and thoughtful, 
And they really are in the sense of you are giving when your individual people come in each day, they know that their work's being measured, they know that it matters, and then they know it's impactful. And that's pretty powerful. I think there are folks maybe who are even listening today and they're going, I'm working on some stuff and I have no idea if anybody notices. And that's what's so great about OKRs. All right, one last one here. Let's go, um, let's see, you said outcome operations, just kind of thinking about the outcome, being outcome-minded. This is a very popular term right now. I would love for you to talk a little bit about it because I'm still kind of learning about it as well as sort of being outcome-minded. Yeah. And one of the questions that I ask my team and I try to balance when we're writing key results is, do we, do we have any leading indicators that help us to understand if we're successful? Because oftentimes, and I'm sure this is not only the case at Microsoft, but we are very lagging indicator driven. We care about what our scorecards say, um, but our scorecards live in the past, right? And so even if we know exactly what that says, and if if that's telling us whether or not we're hitting our targets, uh, we still don't know if that's going to be the case moving forward. And so what I really try to drive with my teams is what are some of the indicators that we can look forward on? And that our kind of KPIs or our scorecards can validate that we are being successful. Um, And so I'm trying to think of a specific example um, around kind of how we've turned one of those questions around, but why don't I, why don't I leave you with that thought and then uh, you can come back to me for an example. You know, it's great. You know, I'm still in the embryonic stages of understanding this sort of idea of leading and lagging. It's, I must confess to you, it it feels complex in the way that I understand it now, um, but it's so important, right? And is are there things you're you're so spot on? Much of what we do in any company is kind of lagging, right? And that's just frankly because of physics, right? I mean, like money needs to come in, somebody actually needs to count it, yep. someone needs to verify that it was actually counted correctly, and then maybe verify it one more time that it was counted correctly, and then it's like, okay, then we post a number. Well, that takes time. Um, and are there things that we know that if we do A, B, and C, then we have a very strong signal that it leads to X, Y, and Z? Not many organizations, not many companies, or even teams are really in that position. But again, the framework, should you start to, and I would, I'll go so bold as to say that this is a little bit of a, a mature modeling. Like most people that are starting with OKRs aren't yet looking at la- lagging and leading. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you'll end up there, won't you? Yeah. Should you be under the framework for some period of time? So I love this idea of saying we know that ABC leads to XYZ. Yes, it may take six weeks to count XYZ. My goodness, what I love about that and what I love your point here is that imagine operating on a team, company, or organizational level where you have given your individual folks going, we know, the data tells us that when we do these things, it leads to impact. And those people are now empowered to go, boom, I'm going to go and do this because I know it. I love that. I love yeah. that. I don't know if you've gotten an example. I but- do. And um, I'm going to try to be general with this and not use teams. But you know, one of the things that lots of companies care about is customer experience. And we measure that by a standard CSAT, right? And what I've found with teams that I've worked with is that typically everybody wants to measure CSAT and they want CSAT to go from X to Y. And then yeah. You know, if it, drawing from, you know, the examples that you gave, it's like, okay, cool. Well, this is necessary. We care about what our customers say about us and think about us and experience with us. 
But can we move the needle on CSAT? Do we know it, what our efforts actually, you know, are, are weighted, how our efforts are weighted in that? Um, and so this is a good example, because when we think about a top team, let's say the CEO's team, they care about that top line number. That is ultimately the number that they're accountable for in regards to their customers. And so that is a what I would call a lagging indicator at that top line. We might want to increase CSAT from X to Y. Um, but where those teams below, those sub-organizations can really move this needle is the, the leading indicator would be what is something that we need to do? Um, and so this is a very simple example, but um, let's say that customers want to be able to find help uh, on their own. They don't want to have to talk to somebody. They don't want to have to wait on hold. They don't want to wait for an email. And so if one of the sure. things that we can do is make sure that uh our self-help documents, as an example, are readily available um, and are useful and are being utilized. If we have a goal where we're saying we'd like to increase um, our self-help documentation consumption by X to Y, then we're going to, that's a leading indicator. We know, okay, they're being, it's being used this much right now. And then we validate with our lagging indicator of CSAT. Um, is this, is this moving upward? If yes, great. We think that this uh, KR is really helping. And so this is how different leaders across the organization can contribute to one of the kind of larger lagging lagging numbers. Um, but I, I mean, I hope that was a, a de- decent example. No. no, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this can can understand, right? We want to make sure that customers or our partners are happy with us. We've got to measure it somehow. And, and, it, and it does take time. Last... Last one, as we sort of uh, sign off here, I'm going to go with, so I've said measurable, I've said necessary, I have to say sufficient, don't I? Yeah. I mean, the framework forces you too, but it's so important. Um, I think, again, if we were to, first, we make sure that they're measurable. Next, we make sure that there aren't un- any unnecessary key results. And the fact that the key results we've written will lead to the objective then finally, is it sufficient? In other words, I've written something that's measurable. Is a thousand enough? Is that sufficient enough to get to our objective? And again, I think when you look at these individual key results, if the answer is no, you might be missing a key result or you need to tweak that key result because again, the, the, and this, this does happen, um, as you're learning to do OKRs, you might write an objective with three key results, achieve all of those key results, but it wasn't sufficient in order to achieve the objective. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the framework supports learning and failing. Emphatically, it does. But as you mature, you need to get better at doing this. You need to be able to write key results well, because what we have found and what the literature shows us is key results drive behavior. And so again, if you're not writing these well, then you're going to get odd behavior that's not sufficient uh, to meeting the objective. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And the way that I phrase it to my team is, is this the best possible? Because typically our best Mm. possible will provide us with a sufficient outcome at the end of the period. Um, And it's interesting because oftentimes when you say, what is the number that you need to get to, and you'll be provided with some sort of target. And then when you ask that follow-up question of, is this the best possible, is this the best possible key result? And is this set of key results the best possible set to drive this objective forward? You then get 
gears turning. Like, I don't know, is it? Is If everything fell into place, um, I think actually that this number that's greater than typically the first target that they provided you with is actually possible. And so our team sets them up that way where we say, cool, we're going to go with the best possible because the assumption is that if we're working towards that, we're likely going to exceed the original target that we thought we would um, we'd be able to accomplish. And so um, I love that. I, I definitely uh, am going to put some things into place after chatting with you today, but I do. Um, that's how I, I kind of pull out sufficient is, is this the absolutely best possible thing that we can do to accomplish this? I'm totally stealing that. I'm totally stealing that. Is this the best possible? I love it. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, this has been just a wonderful conversation. Love to have you back and converse more. If I don't know if you're on the socials. Spencer wasn't. He's a big skier. Uh, he had an, a TikTok thing that nobody, I don't think, wants to follow. <laughs> Perhaps maybe folks can find you on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Is that where they can find yep, you? Yep. It's Monique Little. I'm a senior business program manager at Microsoft uh, and OKR certified Brilliant. coach. So you can definitely find love me on it. LinkedIn. Love it. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for joining me and the listener. Thank you. You can spend your time however you choose. Uh, Thank you for spending a little bit of it with us. If you'd like this content, if you'd like more of it, you can find us over at the littleokrnewsletter.com, the littleokrnewsletter.com, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.